Welcome to Pathways to Hope and Healing, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about domestic abuse, sexual assault, child abuse, and elder abuse. The topics discussed in this podcast, including survivor stories, supportive services, and domestic abuse, sexual assault, child abuse, and elder abuse, can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals, but licensed counselors are available at the Nampa Family Justice Center. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic abuse, sexual assault, child abuse, or elder abuse, please call the Nampa Family Justice Center at 208-475-5700 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast. Welcome to another edition of Pathways to Hope and Healing. I'm Corey Michaels, along with retired Detective Corporal Angela Weeks and president of the Family Justice Center Foundation of Idaho. Well, hello, Angela. Good to see you again. It's always wonderful to see you. And one of the things that we talk about each time with the podcast is there are going to be some, well, dark things that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of horrific things that happen that that bring this about. But that's not the focus of this. The focus is to be able to tell you there is hope, Absolutely. that there is healing, that there is something beyond whatever your experience has been. And that's what we want you to take out of all of this. Exactly. Um, And that's even, you know, what our focus is in the Family Justice Center. Yes, we see people who come in who are experiencing child abuse, domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, but we don't want them to see or to identify that that's who they are. We want to just wrap them in services and support to let them know that there is so much more that exists for them and that we want to just be uh, a part of their journey and path to, to knowing that they can be in these healthy relationships and that there is hope and healing for them. Um, And, you know, we recognize that it's also really crucial that we come together to make sure we're educating our community about the things that exist out there, that we do talk about topics like domestic violence, what we're going to talk about today. Right. And I mean, for so many years, it was that, little dark secret, shove it in a closet, you know, sweep it under the rug, but don't talk about it. Well, that's the exact opposite of what we need to do. We need to talk about it as a community, as a world to talk about it in order to be able to get past these things. This is, this is something where, you know, with the Nampa Family Justice Center and the Family Justice Center Foundation, uh, this podcast we are all trying to make our own jobs obsolete. Yeah. We want to get to a point in our world where we don't have to have these services, but we're nowhere close to that yet. Yep. But, you know, we're getting steps every single day. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a firm believer. um, I love the idea of doing this podcast and bringing in some of the guests that we're getting the opportunity to talk to, like we're going to today, because... You know, domestic violence, just with, with the other issues we're talking about, they're not a law enforcement and a criminal justice problem. If we rely on law enforcement and the criminal justice system to solve the issues of domestic yeah. violence, sexual assault, child abuse, elder abuse, 
we're never going to get anywhere because these are a community problem. And we all have to acknowledge it occurs in our community. We all have to acknowledge that the reality is if we look at our own families, we look at our own friends, all of us know somebody. So we all have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to educate ourselves, um, to make sure that we're walking alongside with victims and supporting them and that we're holding the offenders who are making the choices because they truly are choices. Yep. Um, to use violence, to use intimidation, to use emotional abuse. We need to hold those people accountable. We all, not just cops, not just my profession, not just, um, you know, prosecutors. We all need to be able to say that behavior is not okay. It's not acceptable. Yeah. Well, but that hope and healing that is on the other side, that thriving, not just surviving, this is uh, our guest today is a, a perfect story of that. She is. And I love that you use the word thriving because, um, you know, we hear people talk about victims and we hear people talk about survivors. Um, but Laura is truly a thriver. Um, and I can tell you that um, she is um, one of our clients from the Family Justice Center. And I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about that. But um, we're also going to talk about you guys will all know on this podcast, you will know on the end of this why I call her a thriver. Um, But we wanted to just give Laura a chance to talk a little bit about what brought her through the doors of the Family Justice Center. How did you get there, Laura? Well, um, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate being here. I came to the Justice Center, um, a very defeated, uh, broken human. I was uh, basically broken down, kicked to the curb. Just my life was every day was a, an exhausting, excruciating struggle. Um, you know, sometimes just getting up and, you know, facing the day and making coffee was more than I could do. Um, life had just been reduced to, um, uh, yeah, it had just been reduced to that. Um, I came to the Justice Center because a very loving friend of mine who supported the center encouraged me to go. Um, she said, this is not acceptable. Um, I want you to go get help. And um, honestly, you know, that's where I was. I was like, you know, I need help. <laughs> I yeah. can't do this. I can't take care of my uh, last child that was at home. Um, I had uh, gone through a divorce prior to the situation I was in when I arrived at the center. Um, and I had, you know, custody of my son. I had to um, kind of give up that full uh, time living with me temporarily because it was just so unsafe for my, my son. Um, so I came to the center again upon the urging of a, of a good, uh, very loving friend of mine who, like you said, came alongside of me and was not afraid to, um, stand up and say also, you know, this is not acceptable, um, behavior. And it was the beginning of, um, this individual, the abuser being, held responsible and um, she was the first person who stepped in the gap. So she encouraged me to come to the center. Um, I also just coincidentally um, had gone to church with um, one of 
who the lady who eventually became my advocate. Um, so I met with her, and that's when um, things started to turn around for me. So I have a question. When you first came, or when your friend was urging you to come to the Family Justice Center, what expectations did you have at that point in time? Um, well, that is kind of um, a complicated answer, um, simply because... I had already knowledge of the Justice Center because when I went through my divorce, there were some behaviors that my ex-husband was displaying that were scaring me. And um, it was the same person that had said, why don't you go? And I went and I had a conversation there um, and I was told, you know, that this isn't good behavior. And I didn't accept that abuse, uh, that domestic violence was ever going to happen to me. And I thought very wrongly that it was people who made bad decisions and people who, it embarrasses me to say this, um, but I thought it was people who were weak that got involved in those relationships and nothing could be further from the truth. I, I couldn't have been more wrong about that. And um, so I already had knowledge of it, um, but I kind of just came in and said, kind of talked about what was going on and just kind of said, oh, thanks for your concern and kind of just brushed it off, not realizing that I didn't have any boundaries in my life Um set for me, or really, frankly, a lot of times I didn't respect other people's boundaries, but I definitely had almost none set for me. And um, so I had to learn a very, very hard lesson because I didn't really fully take in what the Justice Center was offering to me. And I got myself involved with a predator. And um, I, I think I sort of forgot the question. Um, I, 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 oh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really know the first time around what I was going to be offered. Yeah. Second time around, um, I like how you said that the Justice Center wraps themselves around the people that come through their doors. That is 100% true. Um, now that I had gotten myself in a really serious situation, um, I was absolutely wrapped up in, um, acceptance, zero judgment. Um, all of my needs were addressed anything and everything that I could think of. Um, I needed to be able to have money to put gas in my car to get to interviews, I had completely been out of the loop of getting a job and I needed my resume retooled. I needed serious legal help. I needed a, um, a very strong um, protection order, civil protection order and stalking. Um, my phone had been tampered with. I needed a new phone. Um, I... Uh, needed to file um, other paperwork, you know, divorce um, paperwork. I had no money. It had all been taken from me. I'd been financially um, destroyed. Um, so the Justice Center 
did not leave one stone unturned. And that's not an exaggeration. Um, I was cared for, um, not necessarily in this order, but financially, mentally, physically, just, yeah, I was completely wrapped in love and attention. So You brought up something, though, that I have heard quite often, um, and I've heard this from many of the survivors that I worked with. Um, people don't always see themselves as that person who's going to be the domestic violence victim. Oh, that's those people. Um, and oftentimes, um, people in the community don't understand what domestic violence truly is. Um, they'll think about the physical part of it, but domestic violence at the heart of it is power and control. It is one person's choice to use power and control tactics to gain and maintain control of their intimate partner. And they use many tactics. It might be isolation. It might be emotional abuse. It might be using the children. And Laura, you're nodding your head. I know the listeners can't see that, but I know you know what I'm talking about. So I think that's what keeps people from seeing themselves as being impacted by domestic violence because our community is not as aware of truly what domestic violence is about. Do you have any thoughts regarding that? Yes. Um, I, um, when I look back and I reflect on how I got into that situation, um, you know, people sometimes use the term um, that an abuser grooms the person that they're going to abuse. Um, Upon reflection, hindsight, that's exactly what happened. I had a very brief meeting with my future abuser um, a couple years prior. And um, he had asked me, he had, I was married at the time to my kid's dad and he had um, inappropriately like kind of tried to flirt with me and it was weird and uncomfortable, but um, I, I'm a musician. So I was doing a, um, gig and he was involved and he had asked if he could borrow something from me and I, I'll give a stranger the shirt off my back. So mm. I just treated him like anybody else and didn't realize he was testing the waters to see if I would basically do what he told me to do. Yeah. And then when um, um, my marriage uh, ended, um, he showed up uh, through social media And um, at first I had a weird feeling about it. And so I kind of rebuffed him and then he kind of needled back in. And I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm middle-aged, I'm divorced. I'll I'll see. But all the while he was seeing how much could he, um, you know, get away with. Testing your boundaries. Testing my boundaries. And I was just, you know, sad and lonely. And so I, you know, let in a predator and then it just kind of went from there, but I'm not a weak person. I'm actually a very, um, confident, my parents would probably say, you know, even kind of a willful, (laughs) um, headstrong person. So it really, that's not the criteria. It's, um, it's an, an abuser, um, who is used to getting what they want using power and control, manipulation, gaslighting, um, all of that, looks for someone who's, you know, 
kind of down and out and at a really low point and vulnerable. And that's exactly where I was. And I did not know I was being preyed upon until it was too late. And I think that is a really hard thing for people who are experiencing that because when they look at that, then there's self-blame that comes with it. Because again, they're not the ones making the choice, but you, I keep hearing you even say things like, I let him in. I, you know, I was, I was at this point, but in reality is these are all calculating choices an abuser is making. Yes. What I love about you, Laura, is what you've just shared with us is far from over. Um, and, uh, Corey, um, I am going to ask her just to kind of share, um, where her experience with the justice center has taken her, but where her experience with life has taken her. Um, because I, again, that's why she's a thriver. Um, and she's, you provide so much hope and inspiration for people who can listen to you and go, I'm a strong person. I'm an independent person. But we all have weaknesses. We all have vulnerabilities. But when people make the choice to take advantage of those, we all can end up in that situation. But your life is different, Laura. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I um, realized um, through through the help of the Justice Center how much help I I truly did need. Kind of gave in to... um, gave into that, uh, knew I was in safe hands. And um, my trusting spirit, you know, was now appropriately given. Um, And I um, would do anything. um, At that point, I was willing to do anything to change the trajectory of my life. Um, I, like I said, did not have my son living with me anymore. I had no home. I was um, evicted. My bank account was gone. I couldn't rent a home. I was not able to put utilities in my name because everything was in my name. My abuser had crafted it so carefully. Um, All my savings was gone. Um, Things that were precious to me I was coerced into selling and he took that money. Um, I know it seems insane, but it, it happened. Um, and, um, so I, uh, came, when I came to the center, they said, okay, let's start picking up the pieces. So first and foremost, um, they took care of the, you know, immediate, um, physical needs. I needed a place to live and so on. So, um, I was helped with that. Um, and then they said, we have a class that you need to take. It's, um, it's going to help you with boundaries. It's going to help you with the behavior that you're exhibiting, um, the, the signals that you're sending out and you're going to change your, um, message that you're sending out to the world. Um, that you're not, you know, up for um, someone's, uh, you know, game. Um, you're you're not available to be preyed upon. Um, so I took the class. It was a 14 week class, and it was, I believe, uh, twice a week, three hours. It was mandatory. I had to go to every single class. That was not negotiable. And so um, through the guidance of the two ladies who ran the class. And it was very 
structured. No one was allowed to come in and start trying to counsel other people. No one was allowed to come in and pass judgment. Um, it was very well-crafted class and very intentional. And over that course of those 14 weeks, I, through the help of the two ladies that ran the class and the others in the class, we were all able to start to unravel and unpack where we were, how we got there, and how to re-sort of program what we were going to do going forward and where we were going to go. Absolutely life-changing. Um, that's I, I can't emphasize that enough. I came out of that class kind of like a, a newborn person and understood and had my ears open and my eyes open. And so as I kind of took baby steps back into my life and built it back together, got a house that I could rent because all I had was my car. That was it. Um, got my son back, got a job and started to take little baby steps into life and got stronger and stronger. And it's interesting because there were people in my life, some people in my life that fell off, that fell away. And there was some pain in that regard. Some of them may come back into my life, but um, some of them I'm glad that they're gone <laughs> yeah. for good. And I started to hear and understand things that I had never heard before. Ways that, for example, men would approach me and what they would say to me, I would hear so loudly red flags and warning signals I had never heard before. And I learned to run the other way as fast <laughs> as fast can be yes. and protect myself and protect my son and create a safe environment and a, and a home that did not allow anyone, you know, into it. My virtual and my real front yard and, and my front door were closed forever for good to anybody who wanted to bring any of their garbage yeah. in. I, I think you're talking about the pattern changing class at the Justice yes. Center that you were yeah. part of, where it really helped you, and I'm hearing it and I'm seeing it just talking to you today, it really helped you to identify some of those unhealthy patterns in those relationships, but I can also see that it helped you to understand your own self-worth. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And, you know, slowly, um, this has been since about 2014, over six or seven years, um, people started to come into my life that, you know, were incredible people that invested in me and I could invest in them. And, you know, that's kind of become the mantra of my life. Um, I didn't know that I could actually say that. I didn't know that I could put my foot down and say, if you aren't going to invest in me and you aren't going to add any value to my life, I don't want you around. And um, I thought that was being mean. Um, and I learned that that's not the case. Um, I don't have to be all end all for everyone. Um, and so now um, I can make very judicious um 
decisions in my life, even just in my work life, uh, friends, church, whatever, um, my ears are pricked up. And yeah, the second I hear <laughs> a tiny smack of, um, you know, anything that I know isn't right, um, I'm out of there. Corey, can't you hear the empowerment in her oh, voice? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's yeah. that's what we, you know, that's what we want to do at the Family Justice Center. Yeah. You know, our job is not to change you. Our job is not to force anything on you. Our job is to come alongside you, let you know what's yeah. available, and to let you know you're not alone. And you are just a great example of that. And things have just continued yeah. to flourish for you. Yeah. Exactly. And just so that it doesn't sound too one-sided, in addition to boundaries that I set for myself, I, I now understood very profoundly what I had been doing in my life to people I cared about and not respecting their boundaries. And, you know, I'm learning more and more um, how to do that, how to listen better, how to, you know, say empowering things to other people to say things that are compassionate and appreciative and not be dismissive. And it, the list goes on and on. And it sounds as I'm saying this, like, how could one class be that good? I don't know how to, I, I just was. And it was a, it was a turning point. It was, gosh, it wasn't even a fork in the road. It was just a hard 90 degree, like you're going this way now. And you know, I, I tell people all the time, I will never be able to repay, you know, I'm just one life, but I will never be able to repay what I uh, received. You know what I love that you shared, though, you even hit on the fact that even when you first came through the doors, it didn't start with the pattern changing class, it started with meeting you where you were at, mm -hmm. we needed to take care of basic needs, you can't, you can't, join a class. You can't jump on some of these other services, jump into counseling if your basic needs are not met. And you felt that at the Justice Center. The class was significant for you. Um, but there were other things in other ways that people reached out to you through advocacy, through assistance with the protection order. You initially never saw yourself in this place. And we know that there are listeners today that, were, that, that are experiencing domestic violence in their homes that are like, but I'm not one of those women. I'm not one of those people. I can't walk through those doors. What would you say to them? You know, I would lay in bed sometimes. It got really bad to where um, when my son was gone, I would go upstairs to his room and lock the door. My abuser was beating on the door trying to get in. I didn't know what was going to happen if he did get in because I was on the second floor. But eventually the screaming and the yelling um, and the threats would stop and he would quiet down in the middle of the night because a lot of what was done was um, sleep deprivation. I was drugged a few times and I, I was wired. I would stay up all night long. I didn't realize I was being given uh, something to do. I don't even know what it is. Right. But I would lay in bed and I would think, what am I going to do? Everything's in my name. If I default on everything, I'm never going to be able to afford. Everyone's gone. I, my parents are elderly. Uh, I can't ask them again to help me. I'm just going to have to just do this. And I would grit my teeth and wake up the next morning. I am here to tell you that is not normal. That is not normal. You don't lay in bed 
after being kept up for hours until two or three in the morning with an emergency kit with clothes in it so that you can run out at any moment because your life is being threatened. You're being told there's a shotgun in the um, trunk of the car. That is not normal. So if you're laying in bed at night thinking, I have no options, I'm stuck, that is wrong and that is not normal. And when I went into the Justice Center, I even, I was so suspicious of everybody and everything, even though I had been there before, I thought they're going to make me pay. That's how program, reprogrammed and messed up my head was. I thought they were going to make me pay. And that's also wrong. I was never made to feel like I owed anything. I, I never did pay anything. They filed my protection order. My advocate came with me to court and sat there. I'm I'm telling you, she would have, I think she would have physically put herself in between me and the abuser had, had need be. Fortunately, it never, right. (laughs) It wasn't the case, but I felt so protected. And I'm telling you the life changing aspect of that can't be you know, play down at all because you're so desperate. So if anybody is being deprived of sleep or basic needs or clothing, being ridiculed, being gaslighted, feeling like you have no way out, you're not going to be able to make it the next day. If you're feeling that, immediately get yourself to the Justice Center. You will be safe. They, they even lock the place down if need be. Yeah. A big area emphasis that we have, and I'm listening to you, um, one of the messages we want people to know, um, not only just what you're talking about, but we want them to know that they deserve more. I'm, I'm hearing you say how what you were experiencing was not normal, but that was the normal and reality that had been created for you. And we know that we have so many of our listeners, right. Corey, who that is their normal and that is their reality. And that's what their abuser has created for them. Year yeah. after year, you know, you know, yeah. time after time. And we want them to know, first and foremost, that they're not alone. Nope. And that there is hope that there are people, um, much to the dismay of what your abuser might tell yes. you, that can offer you a way out if that's what you choose, or at least a way to stay in, in safety if you choose to stay in the relationship. Because yep. we're also not going to tell you you have to leave. But we're going to walk you through safety and self-sufficiency as well. Yes. So I, I want to talk to you about the fact that Laura, she's saying that she um, nev- never feels like she could repay it. Uh, Corey, talk, talk to her about what she's doing now for the Family Justice Center. <laughs> well, now, now, how long have you been on the board for the Family Justice Center Foundation? Um, I think it's been a few years now. Jeannie Strohmeyer had come to me and said, do you, do you feel like you would want to come and serve on the board? And the reason why she came, I think, partially was because I had talked to her at one point that I I had told her that same thing that I couldn't repay and I said honestly I don't know if I can uh, speak face to face with someone who is in the throes of it yet I don't even know if I'm there yet because it's still it's still not been quite long enough for me but um I said any way I can help let me know and then it was a short while later she came and asked me you've been paying back these years being there helping to to be able to to move forward the Family Justice Center Foundation. 
but being here right now, yeah. you're paying it forward. You are a voice. Now, you said you're not quite ready yet to be able to sit face-to-face with someone. You are right now at this moment. Every single person that is listening, that is in that situation, that is in a similar situation, they're hearing your passion. They're hearing. And, you know, I, I deal in a world of audio. Someone's voice and their timber and all of that, I hear. And when you were first recounting, your horrific situation. And then as you talked about the services and the class and coming out on the other side, I heard your voice going up. There started to be that hopeful power in your voice that was not there when you were talking about the situation. So everyone listening hears that as well and that there is hope and they're not alone because as you know, one of the biggest things is someone who's in that situation feels like no one could possibly understand. Absolutely, They are the only ones that are dealing with that situation. How possibly can someone else understand what I'm going through and how would they understand? So hearing this, hearing this, not just leaving in the middle of the night with nothing on your back and, and where are you going to go from here? but actually seeing that there is this group, not just an individual. You have a full team of cheerleaders around you that are rooting you on, that are giving you the tools to be able to then make it through the other side. And I, I hear congratulations are in order. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I was told in the pattern changing class um, by the gals that led it, They were so encouraging and they were like, you know, when you go out from this class, you're going to see, you're going to attract people that really like you and that you really like, and they're going to be new and it's going to be a new life. And I just remember thinking, I believe them. And it started happening. There were a couple bumps in the road. I remember there was someone in my house that was making me uncomfortable. And I basically said, I don't allow this in my house. You need to go. And I remember they looked at me like, are you kicking me out? And I'm like, yes, leave. Using her voice. (laughs) (laughs) And um, anyway, I did, uh, uh, five years ago, um, I met a wonderful man, not I was just out at a birthday party with friends of mine and, and, uh, he happened to be there. So I was just celebrating my friend's birthday, right. not on the prowl. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, in April, um, he gave me my dream wedding on the beach and, uh, he's truly, um, a miracle in my life. And, it, you know, everything that I could hope for in, in one person. So, yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've got to tell you something that Laura doesn't know about. So, um, a few, well, during the Caldwell night rodeo, um, we had gone to the rodeo. So I'm sitting there with my husband and, um, Laura walked by in front of me with her husband. Um, and I hadn't got to see him yet. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, if you could see me, I just totally got chills because I looked at Laura and I looked at her looking at her husband and the love and, um, and I could, the hope I saw and, you know, and, and knowing that, you know, I knew she, I'd seen the pictures from the the beautiful wedding and stuff, but I got to see something different and knowing about her journey, knowing about the role that she's taken with our foundation board, but then getting to see her fulfilling her best life. 
wow, that it was amazing. Oh, so I just so wanted neat. to share that with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's so neat. And it, it, there is hope. There absolutely is hope. And um, if I could just add one more little thing. Absolutely. Um, you know, back to kind of when I was in the middle of the night and thinking, what am I going to do? A- another thought that ran through my head was, this is your fault. Yeah. You so common did this. If yeah. you only had done dot, 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 you right. wouldn't be in this situation. You're reaping what you sowed. So you need to just deal with it. And, you know, through just a, you know, series of events and basically being wrapped in safety, uh, that's when I could, as you just said, find my voice. And I'm telling you what, he fought tooth and nail. It's, it was a really, (laughs) it was, um, a very rewarding thing to start to see his castle or his tower or whatever you want to, the building that he built, it started to crumble and it crumbled fast and hard. And I started to see the fear in his eyes because his, you know, line of cash, money, um, everything that I was providing for him starting to crumble and um and it crumbled fast and hard and the last time that i saw him and i said get away from me i never ever want to see you around me or anyone i love ever again <laughs> that was awesome you know what i also love about what you just used that analogy of the building crumbling mm-hmm. because you were doing something different you were laying a foundation mm-hmm. that started and was grounded in hope and um and truth and truth and you were learning self-sufficiency and you were building your walls around that um and so i love that you were using that building analogy because i i see what you have now created in your own life knowing you deserved better and that you're worth it Um, and that's the messaging we want everybody on this podcast to hear yes that are feeling hopeless that are feeling like it's their fault because Oftentimes their abuser has made them feel that and have sent that messaging to them. And we know that, but we want them to know that is not who they are. Um, and that there is hope and healing and safety and self-sufficiency and that the Family Justice Center will walk alongside you. Um, and that everybody has, a this kind of maybe sounds cheesy. Everybody has a Laura story inside them. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, because that's not, it's not who you are. It's part of your past. It's not who you are. It's not what defines you. Yeah. You are creating that. Yeah. And I am, I mean, I am, it sounds odd to say that I'm grateful. I guess I'm, I'm thankful for what I came through because now I have, you know, so much more compassion and understanding to, you know, those around me. I certainly, I mean, I, I still have a long way to go of, you know, who I'm going to be and who I'm becoming. Um, I'm still learning, but I won't ever be taken advantage of again. I will never be abused again. Just, you know, not on my watch type thing. Um, I'm now my best protector. Um, I do have my husband who also is fiercely protective of me as he should be. But, um, the empowerment, um, yeah. I, I, I don't want to overuse that word, but the empowerment 
you know, is totally there. And if I can help, if I can help someone else to start to find their voice, then it was all worth it. Well, Laura, we thank you so much for being on with us, for sharing the the horrific times, but then also the wonderful outcome that has come for you. And we wish all the best for you and your husband and your future, your children. So thank you. Thank you so much. And yes, it is something that everyone needs to hear. Yes. No one deserves to be abused mentally, financially, physically, in any way, shape, or form. It is not your fault. It is exactly. never going to be your fault. Yep. No matter what is told to you, no matter what is tried to be pounded into your head in some insidious way, yep. just know there is hope, there is healing, and just like with Laura, there is a future that you deserve. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Laura. You're welcome. And thank you for joining us again for another edition of Pathways to Hope and Healing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pathways to Hope and Healing. Again, if you or someone you know have experienced domestic abuse, sexual assault, child abuse, and elder abuse, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or the Nampa Family Justice Center at 208-475-5700. Search the Nampa Family Justice Center on Facebook and Instagram for more conversations. If you have suggestions for topics you would like us to cover or get more information about anything you heard in today's episode, contact us through the email at fjc at cityofnampa.us.